Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, the Word of God says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And together, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Lord, help us as we look at this portion of Scripture. Help us to beware uh, of compromise. Help us to beware of the nature of our own flesh that wants to reject the truth and to seek after uh, things that are more palatable to our ears, things that tell us uh, what we want to hear instead of you telling us what we need to hear. May we always have an appetite for the truth. May we be willing to hear it and not just be willing to, but to desire it, to seek it to be thankful for the truths that take us to our knees uh, as we look to serve you. Lord, you did everything for us. Uh, You're our God. You're our Savior. You're our Lord. Uh, We want to please you. And in order to do that, we need to know this book and, and have its influence in our lives. Unfortunately, there are those who reject the Scriptures. They resist the truth. Help us tonight to learn why and what to do about it as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A wonderful portion of Scripture. We've preached it here many times in different many applications over the years. So much that I want to say, um, but I want to zero in on a thought uh, that the Lord gave me uh, that I believe I'm supposed to share with you, and that is this. What are the reasons that people don't want to hear the Bible? Now, we know Christians, we want to hear the Bible, amen? We want to know what God says. Matter of fact, we are to read it, study it, meditate upon it, think about it, live it, memorize it, quote it, teach it to others. This book is absolutely central to the Christian life. And I'll I'll tell you this, uh, you're no better Christian than your relationship to, to your Bible. If you don't have a good relationship with your Bible, you're probably not a very good Christian. You need this book in your life. It has to be central because this is God's book and it teaches us about Him. How can we hope to please a God if we don't know Him? We don't know what He wants, what He likes, what He dislikes, what we're supposed to do. And so... Why then are there so many people in the world that don't want to hear what the Bible says? Well, there are reasons. I'll take it a step further. Why are there so many people in churches that don't want to hear what the Bible says? You understand this portion of Scripture was not written to lost people. It was written to a preacher that was going to be preaching in churches to people that claim the name of Christ. And God told the preacher, there are going to be people that don't want to hear my Bible. 
They don't want to hear my book. They will walk away from the truth. Uh, That's astounding to me. I can at least understand when an atheist doesn't want to listen to God's word. I can at least see where they're coming from uh, when someone who doesn't claim to be a Christian, they don't value God, they don't value his book, they're living their own direction, going their own direction, living their own way. It doesn't surprise me when they say, I don't care what the Bible says. But a Christian who says, I I don't want to hear the Bible. They don't want to listen to preaching. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to. That's shocking. It's astounding. There's two groups of people that don't want to hear the Bible. They're sinners, talking about lost people, and backsliders. Sinners and backsliders don't want to listen to the Bible. Because the old adage is true. This book will either keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. I was reading an old quote by Billy Sunday. It's in, it's in the spring issue of, of the Save New England magazine. And he says something like this. Sinners don't want to hear preaching... Uh, or sinners don't want preaching to be able to hit the side of a barn. Christians want preaching that will bring them to their knees. And I thought, boy, that's true, isn't it? You know, if you're right with God, the, the more pointed the preaching, the better. I mean, tell me what God says. Don't beat around the bush. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Uh, tell me what to do and I'll do it. There's no fight. There's no reluctance. There's no, uh, you tell me what to do, God, and I'll decide if I'm going to do it. When you're a surrendered Christian, it's like, God, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And that's why people like that. They, they thirst for good preaching because they just want to know what they're supposed to do so they can please God. Uh, but, but backsliders aren't that way. Uh, they want preaching to be uh, very, not pointed, but very broad, uh, not very specific. Uh, they... they Love the preaching that are like down south they call them sugar stick sermons. Uh, it's just it's just all the good stuff in the Bible. Tell me God loves me. Tell me about the grace of God. Tell me God's going to forgive me when I go to the bar Friday night. Tell me all the good things. Don't tell me anything bad. Uh, we ought to be Christians that we thirst for the Word of God. Amen. We want to know what God says so that we can please the Lord. Have you ever thought about the fact that the people that need the truth the most are often the most reluctant to hear it? The people that need this sermon the most aren't here tonight. And sometimes that's the way it is. That doesn't mean you don't need the sermon, by the way. It doesn't mean that that you don't need to be here. Uh, And I don't need to be here. But the people that need the truth the most are so reluctant to hear it. And I thought about why, and God gave me three reasons from this portion of Scripture, three reasons people don't want to hear their Bible and then what to do about it. All right? Number one, why don't people want to hear the Bible? Number one, the Bible condemns their sin. Why don't want people hear the Bible? The Bible condemns their sin. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 3, when it gets to the place where it says, They will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the sound doctrine of the Bible. 
I've never known anyone that didn't want to hear God loves them. I've never known anyone that didn't want to hear God forgives them. What's the sound doctrine that's the problem here? It's the condemning of sin. People all throughout human history have not wanted their sin to be condemned. You can go back to the very first prophets in the Old Testament and follow it all the way through the Bible, through the book of Revelation. Sinners don't want to be told they're sinners. Sinners don't want the things they enjoy doing to be exposed as sin. And so that's why people don't want to hear the Bible. You've probably got people at work. They don't want to hear the Bible. You might have people in your family. They don't want to hear the Bible. Neighbors, they don't want to hear the Bible. Why? Because it condemns their sin. We'll come back to this portion of Scripture. Look at Romans chapter 7. And look at verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Now stop and look at me. This is what some people think. The law's bad. The law is bad. Have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not covet. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. That's bad. Some people think the law is bad. And today, not in this application, but a different application, there's a lot of people today that think religion's the problem. You know, they'll believe in every ism in the world. They believe you can uh, take a baby's life even up to and after it's born. Uh, they believe all kinds of weird things. But, you know, the real problem in this world is, is uh, Christianity. No, not communism that's killed 100 million people in the last 100 years. Not, not all these other isms that out there that have done all of these crazy things. The real problem is Christianity. That's crazy. But you know, when you get unanchored from this book, you'll believe anything. When you get away from the truth, Satan has to fill that vacuum with something, and he'll fill it with all kinds of lies. But the question here is asked, is the law sin? No. God forbid is the answer. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. See, the Bible exposes sin. Without the Bible, without the law of God, we don't know what sin is. And that's why in America, where there's been a dearth of preaching for the last couple generations, preachers afraid to get up and preach the truth. They're tiptoeing through the, the tithers and trying to make everybody happy. And now we've got all kinds of things. And well, what, what really is a male? And what really is a female? And, and, and what, what really is a abortion? It's, is, is it really wrong? And all of these crazy things. And is it wrong to, to uh, 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 be on drugs? And is it, let's legalize this and legalize that. And is it wrong to, to, to uh, this uh, lifestyle where you just jump from partner to partner socially and the, the tender lifestyle and all this crazy stuff? What's the big deal? It's nothing wrong with it. The problem is because they've not heard the preaching I don't even know what sin is anymore. They're living in darkness. But when you shine the light on their sin with God's word, are they happy about it? <laughs> no. The Bible says clearly in John 3.19, then this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Now, that's an odd thing to say, isn't it? Men love darkness rather than light. 
Most people prefer the light to the dark, unless there's a reason. And the Bible gives us a reason. See, they love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Just the same reason people love darkness today. If you're going to rob a convenience store, you probably don't do it at noon. If you're going to break into someone's home, you probably don't walk up to the door at 8 o'clock in the morning. The clubs and stuff and the, all the crazy, sin-filled mess of this world, they're awful busy at night. You know why? Because people love the darkness when the deeds are evil. And people don't want to hear God's word because it condemns their sin. See, the Bible not only exposes sin, it names sin. Here he gives a specific sin. Uh, back at verse 7, For I had not known what? Lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not what? Covet. God names the sin. We've got all kinds of preachers in, in America today, and they'll talk generally, but they won't name a sin to save their life. They'll talk, well, you know, God hates sin and sin will sin. Well, what sin are you talking about, sir? Well, well you know. No, what sin are you talking about? And people will say, well, if, if the Bible doesn't name it, then uh, I, won't, I won't talk about it. Well, there's a lot of things that weren't invented yet when the Bible was written. You think God didn't know that? You think God didn't know there would be casinos and lotteries and gentlemen's clubs and, and, and all these types of things? You think God didn't, didn't know all this stuff? No, he gave us a book of principles. And the principles are applicable through every generation. And the God who never changes, all sin is still sin. And as mankind creates new technologies and different ways to sin, the principles of the word of God still cover anything that man could think of. And so we can apply the principles of God's word and name specific sins in our generation. But sinners don't like to have their sin exposed. Just ask John the Baptist. He was beheaded because he called out the sin of Herod. Herod took his brother Philip's wife, married her. Nobody told Herod what to do. Oh, but the preacher stood up publicly and said, It's wicked. It's not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. He ended up losing his head for it. I'll say this. It's better to lose your head being faithful than to compromise the truth of God. Sinners, backsliders, and rebels reject the Bible because it rejects their sin. That's why they reject the word of God. See, in their thinking, and some of you were here, remember back whenever you were lost. We had all kinds of reasons. We didn't want to hear what God said. We wanted, we wanted people around us to rubber stamp what we were trying to do and what we wanted to do. But people reject the word of God because they, they tell themselves that if the Bible's not true, then they are not accountable to it. Let me show you an, an astounding verse, John chapter 12. Look at verse 46. I am come a light. See, he's the light of the world. I am come a light into the world 
that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. See, the hope is that when the light turns on, that people will see their sin, they'll see their condition, and they'll run to the light. But that's not what people do when they love darkness because their deeds are evil. They want to stay in the dark. And then verse 47 says, And if any man hear not my words, so if any man doesn't run to the light, if any man wants to stay in darkness, verse 47, If any man uh, hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. See, it's the word of God that's going to be our judge. Now, this is good news because that means that God's not going to change the rules. God has given us a rule book. God's given us a a, a a manual for life, and he said, this is how you live, this is how you don't live, this is, this is hell, and this is heaven, and this is how you get to heaven, and this is the only way God's given us the book, and the good news is, is he's not going to change the rules. You're not going to get to heaven and find out God changed his mind. He's going to judge us according to the word that he gave us. That's good news if you believe the word, and you live according to it. It's awful bad news if you tried to convince yourself that this book wasn't true. Because the very book you reject will judge you. You say, I don't believe that. You will. You will. Look at Romans chapter 3. I use this verse often for scoffers and people that just refuse to believe anything about the scriptures Romans chapter 3 look at verse 3 for what if some did not believe okay so use this for unbelievers for what if some did not believe shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect what does that mean okay so you don't believe is does that mean God's not going to do what he said oh you don't believe him okay so that doesn't apply to you This truth doesn't apply to you because you don't believe it. No, the truth is your unbelief isn't going to stop God from doing anything. Look at the next verse. God forbid, let God be true and every man a liar. God's going to do exactly what he said he would do. And he's going to judge us by this book. We better live according to it. What option do you have when you deny the truth of God? I mean, really, what's left other than you become a God yourself? And this is really the goal of humanism is to make mankind a God. So when people deny the word of God, there's a popular concept that people can have their own truth. Truth being in quotation marks. Uh, Apparently... If you believe you can have your own personal truth, then this gives one permission to deny reality and claim a godlike exclusion to what is true. Have you ever heard someone say things like, well, that's your truth, but that's not my truth? And you want to look at people and say, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. 
there's only one truth. Now, if you want to say that's your opinion and this is my opinion, opinions are opinions, but truth is truth. And the Bible says there's one truth. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Bible is the truth and God's truth is absolute and universal. It applies to everybody in every age, in every time. So there's only one truth. And then we come back around to why people don't want to hear the Bible. Number one, the Bible condemns their sin. Why don't people want to hear the Bible? Number two, the Bible constrains their lusts. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says that they would go after their own lusts. Think about that. They would go after their own lusts. Their lusts would begin leading them. They would have a desire, and instead of following God, they would begin to follow their desires. Well, folks, that's how lost people live. Lost people go from desire to desire, doing whatever you want to do. And the only thing that stops you is you're afraid of losing your job, or you're afraid of of losing your family, or you're afraid of going to jail. But within the realm of, of whatever you're willing to put up with, you just do whatever you want to do. That's how lost people live. It's not how saved people live. The sin nature is filled with desires for things that are wicked. But the Bible commands us to restrain our lusts and obey God. This is one of the great battles of Christianity. Dying to the world and living unto God. It's a fact that no rebel likes being told what to do. And sinners don't like it when the Bible exposes their sin, pronounces judgment, and then goes so far as commands them to abstain from the very things they desire. Look at Romans chapter 13. We could look at a lot of verses about this. The Bible constrains their lusts. If you're a child of God, you don't get to go around doing whatever you want to do. Not because God's trying to restrain you just to put you in some type of prison, but because the things you want to do are, are, are hurtful. Your lust will lead you to destruction. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Make not provision for the flesh, to fulfill the lust thereof. So don't even give yourself opportunity to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, what do I do instead? The first part of the verse, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to put on the new man. We are to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, doing what Jesus would do every day, uh, reading the Bible, praying, being surrendered to God, filled with the Spirit, walking like Jesus would walk. That's how we should live. The only option to that is living according to your lusts. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with all them that call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. See, people that call upon the Lord out of a pure heart, that's what they do. They follow righteousness. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we always get it right. Everybody in this room is a sinner. We all said things this week or did things this week. I'm not talking about big sins and huge, massive things that you're afraid the police are going to come and get you. But I mean, all of us did things this week that we wish we could take back. 
We wish you could have that moment back, that word back, that, that anger back, that remark back. We're all sinners. The Bible says flee youthful lusts. What are youthful lusts? Well, think about the problems that most youth have. Rebellion, self-will, immorality, running from lust to lust, curiosity about sin. The Bible says flee that stuff and follow after righteousness. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. And it goes on to say, denying our ungodly lusts. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fresh, fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Isn't that true? See, your, flus, your, your lusts war against your soul. And Satan will tell you that if you just give in to your lust, then you'll feel better. And you do for a few minutes. But then what do you feel? The guilt and shame, the condemnation, Satan himself jumping on you, saying, what in the world are you doing? You're supposed to be a Christian. You know, Satan will work so hard to get you to sin, and then as soon as you sin, he jumps on you and says, you lousy person, how could you do that? What a rascal. It is not acceptable to God for us to surrender to the sin nature. Sin's deadly. It hurts us and all the people around us. Think about this. If sin was so terrible that Jesus had to die on the cruel cross to pay for it, then we should shun sin in all of its forms. Christians should work. We should strive to be sanctified and holy. Be ye holy for I am holy, God said. Why? Because sin was so terrible it sent Jesus to the cross. And if you're not careful, Christian, you can get so backslidden that you're involved in sin and say, well, I'll still go to heaven. But you're involved in the very sin that put Jesus on the cross. There's no respect for the Savior there. There's no fear of the Lord in that type of life. These sinners and backsliders don't want to be restrained from sin. They want the preacher to tickle their ears. They want the preacher to make them feel good with happy and positive self-help talks. They'd rather church be like an episode of Dr. Phil than church. They would even rather believe a fictional story, the Bible uses the word fable, than to hear the truth. I so desperately don't want to hear the truth, they say, that I would rather hear a lie. Tell me a lie that gives me permission to do what I want. And they'll believe it. As they run after lust and after lust, destroying themselves and everybody they love in the process. See, why don't people want to hear the Bible? Number one, it condemns their sin. Number two, it restrains, constrains their lust. And then number three, the Bible concentrates on God. Think about that. It concentrates on God. 
First Peter one twenty three says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, this, this book is called the Word of God. Not the Word of Lee, the Word of Ken, the Word of Joe, the Word of Tony, the Word of Mark, the Word of Ethan. That'd be a weird name, wouldn't it? Turn your Bibles to the book of Ethan. And uh, that would, I wouldn't read that. I reject that right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was called the Word of God because it's His book. And the Bible points us to God. It's his book about his plan for his people. And let's just be honest. Sinners and backsliders don't want to hear about God. They're filled with pride living for themselves. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to listen to godly music. They don't want to spend time with godly people. And be very careful, Christian. If you get to the place in your life that you don't want to read your Bible and you don't want to go to church and you don't want to listen to preaching and you don't want to listen to godly music, the problem is you're backslidden. How many people through the years have said as they're running away from God, say, I'm closer to God than I've ever been. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to read their Bible. Everything that they once gave up that God sanctified them from is now coming back in their life. I'm, I'm as close to God as I've ever been. Matter of fact, my life's gotten better since I stopped going to church. Yeah. My life is so awesome. Shut up, kids! My life is so great. I mean, be quiet! I mean, it's like they're just lying to you. And you can... You can hear the things in the background. You can see the things in their life. And part of it is they're probably trying to justify themselves to themselves. I had someone, I stood right at their door. I could take you right to the doorstep. Hadn't been in church in months, making all kinds of bad decisions. They said, oh, preacher, we're, we're better than we've ever been. Our marriage is better than it's ever been. Our family's closer than it's ever been. You know, we even get around the Bible, around the table before dinner, and we pray every night. And my husband and I are closer. You know, my life is better now than when I was going to church. And I stood there for a couple of seconds, and I looked at the person. And here's what I said. I didn't say it meanly. I said it lovingly. I said, that might work for other people, but I've known you for a long time. And that's not true. And they, they just kind of hung their head and said, well. We've got to be careful, people. There are people that were here 15 years ago that aren't in a church of any kind. And it's not because they were bad people. Because they became backslid. How many of you right now know someone that used to be a strong Christian and they are living nothing 
like what, what they used to live and what they used to say was appropriate. How many of you know somebody like that? Just about everybody in the room. All of us do. That's why the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And see, it's the word of God. Anytime you start to get backslidden, Satan will try to do three things in your life. First thing he'll do is try to separate you from your preacher. Why? Because when you get backslidden, the preacher is supposed to be the one to go after you and help you. But if you've already cut that connection, if you've already believed things or, or written them off in your life, now when you get backslidden, he comes after you to try to talk to you about it. He doesn't have that influence anymore. So Satan always tries to get something in your mind and your heart to come between you and the preacher. Next thing he'll do is try to get you to come between your Bible reading and prayer. Sometimes those things will come first or second. Sometimes you'll get away from your Bible reading and prayer first, then you'll get sideways with the preacher. But then he'll always try to get you separated from church. Because church is where you're safe. The Bible doesn't call us lions, it calls us sheep. And you find strength when you're a part of the group. But you're in most danger when you're on the outskirts of the flock or even separated from the flock completely. And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful that 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 resistance to the word of God doesn't come in our hearts. And let me give you a secret that will save your Christianity. When you start to get backslidden. And you either read the Bible or the preacher preaches something, the word of God convicts you. You have one of two choices and this choice is going to determine your future. Which choice you make determines your future. What a lot of people do is they get convicted from the scripture and they say, I don't believe that. Maybe they used to believe it. Maybe they believed it for decades, but they'll say, I don't believe that. That's not what that means. Here's what they say. That's not what that means. And usually they'll find some preacher who pulls up some obscure Greek word or some weirdo philosophy that gives them permission to continue their sin. And if you do that, if whenever you are confronted and convicted by the word of God, if you look at the Bible and say, that's not true, and you continue in sin, it's only a matter of time, my friend. Because you can do that with every verse in the Bible. And once you start that process, if one verse isn't true, you're in trouble. The second decision you can make when you're confronted and convicted by the Bible is you look at the Bible and you say, that's right, I'm wrong. That's a sin. I sinned. If you can keep doing that your whole Christian life, you can keep bringing it back to God and getting it right. Amen? That one statement can save your future. I promise you, there's probably somebody in the room that's done it already with something. There's something in your life where you've already excused away, didn't mean that, I was wrong before, I was a little too strict, whatever. 
look at the word of God. It's right. I'm wrong. I sinned. And then turn back to God. All right. Why do people not want to listen to the Bible? Number one, it condemns their sin. Number two, it constrains their lust. Number three, it concentrates on God. So what do we do? What do we do about it? Turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. So people don't want to hear the truth. The Bible's not popular anymore. What do we do about it? Here's what some people say. Some people will say, well, if people don't want to hear the truth, we don't want to offend them. I've even heard preachers say things like, if I preached like that, my church would kick me out. Well, if you don't preach like that, your church should kick you out. What do we do? We just be quiet. And I believe that's what the church did many years ago. Christians just, they kept believing the same way. They just kept talking. They just stopped talking about it. Who would have thought 50 years ago there would even be a question about what gender you are? Who would have thought 50 years ago there would be a socialist about to win the Democratic nomination for president? Who would have thought 50 years ago that Muslims would be serving in the House of Representatives? Who would have thought 50 years ago that abortion would become the scourge it has? Who would have thought 50 years ago that sodomy and sodomites would not just serve publicly but be protected by American law? Punishing even bakers that said, no, I'd rather not bake for your homosexual wedding. Who would have thought that? Now, you young people, this is what you grew up with, but I'm telling you, the adults in this room are like, it's gotten crazy fast. Fast. And what happened? When the world started pushing back against Christianity, Christianity took a step back and said, well, let's just talk about love and joy and peace and leave the bad stuff out. I heard a, a, a television preacher years ago on public television the, the guy interviewed him and asked him about why he didn't preach on sin. And he said, well, I don't really preach on sin because people, you know, people have such hard lives already. I, I don't want to be negative. What? The Bible says more about sin than it does righteousness. It talks more about heaven than hell. Why? Because you've got to know what not to do and know what to do. So what do we do about it? What's the answer? Does the church just run and hide in the closet? Do we just start meeting in secret rooms like they do in China? Look back at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, 
rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. The Bible says the answer is to keep preaching the truth. Instant, in season, out of season means when it's popular and not popular. Reproof is, is negative. A rebuke is negative. An exhort is positive. And truthfully, a Bible preacher has to spend more time sometimes preaching against the sins of the culture than they do what to do right. Because the sin nature is so drawn to the, the sin of this world and our own lust betrays us as it leads us to the foolishness of this world. And a strong preacher must stand up and cry against sin. He must cry aloud and spare not, as Isaiah said. He must smite his hands and stomp his feet, as the Old Testament says. He's got to raise his voice a little bit sometimes. He's got to be a little bit harsh and a little bit crude sometimes and a little bit in your face sometimes to keep the word out there. we got to keep preaching the truth. Whether people say amen or they scowl. And I've had both. Sometimes I wish I had cameras up here. We could do instant replay like they do in football. Hey, Bobby Joe, I saw that. Everybody look, everybody look at what, what face Barbara Jean just made up here. Everybody take a look and uh, go slow-mo. And I'd be, up, I'd be like circling things on the teleprompter. And oh, here's a scowl and here's a shrug and here's a rolling of the eyes. Listen, people don't like that kind of stuff. They don't like the truth. But the people that don't like it are the ones who need it the most. In fact, we have to work harder today to preach the truth because others before us have failed to do so. I'll be honest with you, it was easier 30 years ago to be a preacher. And it's not going to get easier the older I get. It was easier to witness at work 20 years ago. It was, it was easier for you to talk about God with people in your world. So we're going to make excuse and just shrink back and be quiet? That only guarantees the world hurdles faster towards destruction. See, God knew the time would come. Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But he said, preach the word anyway. Preach it when they like it. Preach it when they don't like it. Preach it knowing they're not going to like it. Just keep preaching it. Unfortunately, the time came, many preachers went soft. And compromised preachers are more politician than prophet. If there ever comes a day when Curtis Corner Baptist Church wants to leave the truth, you're going to have to find another preacher. By the grace of God, I want to finish strong. By the grace of God, and it's going to be by His grace that we do it because there's a target on my back, there's a target on your back. But by the grace of Almighty God, we want to finish strong. 
And there's going to be people come to our church. There's going to be people go to our church. There's going to be people that love the truth. There's going to be people that get frustrated by it. There's going to be people that love it at one time and then things change and now all of a sudden they're grumbling about the same preaching they used to say amen to. It's the way of the world. But the pulpit must stay strong. The Bible must go forth. Christ must remain preeminent because as soon as a preacher begins preaching for the congregation... And the church is well not gone. We preach to the congregation for God. Some politicians preach for the congregation for themselves. You ever notice that politicians around voting time, they all get religious? They all become very compassionate. I'm I'm praying for you. Yeah, I believe that. You know, they'll go to church. They'll they'll be on, they'll be on the voting trail talking about God, and it's like you haven't been to church since, whenever. Now, we are preachers and protectors of the truth. The church is the pillar and ground of truth. And I'll tell you this: if Curtis Corner Baptist Church stops preaching the truth, this community loses the truth. We could go to building after building in our community that used to preach the truth, and there's rainbow banners in the, in the yard, and there's preachers that couldn't preach their, their way out of a wet paper bag. There, there's men and women behind pulpits that, that don't even know what it means to be saved. And God forbid if we don't Love this Bible and protect this Bible and preach this Bible. Well, these days, Curtis Corner might be one of them. But we all need to say, not on my watch, not in my lifetime, by the grace of God, I would rather be convicted every day and have to fall on my knees and confess my wicked heart and be true to the Bible than have some preacher patronize me Rubbing my ears like some dog. And you know how you rub a dog's ears and their legs start going like that? Is that how you want to go out? No. I want to be true to Jesus. See, the answer is to keep going. Are you with me? I'll say this last thing that sinners see the Bible as a book of restrictions. But in reality, the Bible is a book of liberty. John 8, 31 said, Jesus, then said Jesus to those Jews which believe on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you read the Bible and all you see is rules and regulations, you are missing the whole point. Because what you ought to see out of the whole Bible is God trying to liberate us from our own sin nature and from destroying ourselves. And we do that with the Bible. Why do people not want to hear the Bible? It condemns their sin. It constrains their lusts. concentrates on God. Well, what do we do about a preacher? We just keep preaching. That's what we do. We just keep preaching, keep living it, keep talking about it, keep going soul winning, knock on the next door, talk to the next co-worker, 
let them see you have the love of Christ. I'm not talking about being rude or mean. I live by the, the principle that you might be upset at my position, but you ought not be upset at my disposition. I think you know I try to be a Christian gentleman most of the time. Uh, I, want, I want to be just a Christian gentleman. I don't mind preaching the truth, but at the same time, I'm not going to be mean and ugly and hurtful and rude with people. That surely doesn't help the gospel. But at the same time, I'm not going to let my adherence to the truth go because it offends somebody. We live in a world nowadays where there can be a cross on a hill for 50 years and one guy drives by and calls the ACLU and they're taking down the cross because one guy didn't want to look at it. You know what we'd say to him? Don't look at it. But once you start giving in to people, once you start making accommodations for this person and that person and this person and that person, you've lost the truth. We have to learn to speak the truth in love and lovingly and kindly say, the Bible says this. That's where I stand. I'm not going to move. Whether it's my wife, my kids, my mom, my dad, I love you. I appreciate all you've done for me. I must be true to Christ. What you'll find is often you'll affect so many people over the course of your life and you'll bring them to the truth. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the truth of your word. We pray that you would help us. This is a, an important subject for churches. We must be true. We must be true to the Bible. And God, everything in the world betrays us. Satan tries to draw us away from it. Our own lusts try to draw us away from it. The culture is pulling us away from it. And yes, we must be focused on you. We must strengthen that spiritual part of us so we can live a, a supernatural life, an extraordinary life, and, and, and live in such a way that would bring you honor and glory and protect the truth for the people who are ready to receive it. Lord, help us to make it right quickly when we start to backslide. Help us to be patient with others when they do, preaching the truth, loving them, but at the same time, adhering to the Word of God. We love you, Lord. Keep us close to you, please. Forgive us of our sin. Draw us close to you. May we be faithful to you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand. If the Lord spoke to your heart, the altar is open.